0: Arizona Sports is proud to
1: present the Uprising Podcast. Uprising Podcast.
0: Hello and welcome into the Uprising Podcast, a podcast about Phoenix Rising Football Club. I am your host, Jake Anderson. Today my guest is Phoenix Rising midfielder Jordan Schweitzer. Jordan's a new addition to the club this season. Prior to signing with Phoenix, he played for the University of Denver. And because of his time with Seattle Sounders Youth Academy, he played for Seattle's U23 side before joining the likes of Sounders 2, Orlando City B, and Colorado Springs Switchbacks. So without further ado, let me bring on Phoenix Rising midfielder Jordan Schweitzer. Jordan, how you doing, man? How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. Just uh, golfing with two friends here on the team. It's uh, one of the coolest days we've had since I can remember. So I was about nice to say, to I, I recognized the golf cart backdrop right away. Where are you playing? Uh, we're rolling Hills is five minutes from our apartment complex. So we like to pop over here. It's cheap. We can come out hit a couple of balls, uh, which is, which is nice. There's one of the perks of being here in Arizona is, uh, definitely the golfing. So I'll be taking advantage of that this year.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I used to work at a golf course actually before I moved over to Arizona sports. So nice. Where I, at? I uh, used to work at talking stick golf club.
1: Oh, nice. Very cool. I've heard that's nice. I haven't been out there yet.
0: Um yeah it's uh it's not like a super high end club like you would get at maybe like a Greyhawk or a True North um it's more mm-hmm. of a resort style course there's actually uh, 36 holes out there so I just been starting these off the same way want to get to know about you guys a little more outside of football um yeah. obviously 2020's been a I, for you, I'd imagine a roller coaster year, not only with everything going on, but this is also your first year with Phoenix
1: Rising. You moved to Arizona. So yeah.
0: kind of just tell me, how's Jordan Schweitzer doing, the person?
1: No, I appreciate you asking. Uh, doing well. I'm fortunate enough that I've got some family here in town. Uh, my mom and my stepdad moved out west about three years ago. So with everything going on in the world, uh, being able to, to pop by and spend some time with them has been one of the... Uh, the bonuses of this year or one of the bright spots. And, and obviously we've got such a great group of guys. It's been really easy to get comfortable with this group and in this area and, and to have the, not only the caliber of players on the field, but the, the quality of people as well in this locker room is, is some of the highest that I've been around. And uh, that's the highest compliment I can give this group is um, it's just a phenomenal group of people. So uh, that, has helped with the ups and downs and the unknowns of 2020. Uh, and to go from feeling really good in a preseason, getting acclimated with the group to our first game against Timbers too, and, and being on a little bit of a break with the pandemic and some of those uncertainties, obviously not ideal for anyone in any industry this year. And uh, then to have football come back, uh, to find a little bit of a rhythm and, and obviously a shortened season, a unique season, but uh, all in all uh, the football is back. And so for us to get back out there and to to play some games and, and also uh, this week to have some fans will be a great experience. So uh, life's good. Jordan's good football where we had a good result obviously last week. So we, we keep things rolling, but uh, I appreciate you asking, how are things for you? Uh, obviously with the sport, going away for a little bit. I'm sure that was a, a unique, uh, time for you as well,
0: yeah, I actually also work on the news side of it because uh, we have k t r news as well, so okay, I spent a lot more time doing that than I did sports, um, not that i don't enjoy it, but obviously getting to cover you guys is a little bit more fun, a little bit more enjoyable for me, so when you guys were the first Arizona team to come back of all as well, um,
1: yeah.
0: i don 't want to say I was like the cool kid at work, but it was like I was the <laughs> only one who could still go to a game and you know, the NBA was in the bubble, baseball, it was, uh, I think at the time, we weren't sure, NFL, it just right. ended, hockey, it was all in a bubble, so it, it didn't really yeah. matter. It was, it was, this was it, and um, I'm glad you guys are back, glad that we're being able to do these conversations again. Um, just looking up a little bit of the background on you, I thought this was really cool that, you know, you went to high school in Washington, yeah. and my mom actually went to Wenatchee High, and I was born in Spokane, because my mom ended up going to Wazoo. Um and yep. then you end up going to University of Denver. One of my aunts actually ended up going to school in um excuse me, and uh in Golden. So okay. I just thought it was Bye-bye. nuts. Exactly. It was it was kinda it was kinda funny to see how like my family has been exactly where you were. But my question after all of that is before you got to USL I wanted to ask you about, you know, playing for for uh in college for university of denver and then obviously you were with seattle's under 23 so if you could just tell me a little bit about that time in your
1: career yeah no it's it's cool it's cool to see how crass uh how how, how crazy the uh the paths cross, right and and just to have those washington and colorado ties for you is is uh that's awesome um yeah i grew up just north of seattle and that put me uh in a good place when the sounders academy began and was able to, to get two years with them in high school and, and playing academy soccer allowed me to, to get some looks for, for university, which for me was always going to be the next step. I wasn't going to become a pro uh, at 16, 17, 18. And, and, and so to go to the University of Denver was a great opportunity to not only grow as a, as a footballer, but also as a person and to take classes to, to leave home for the first time uh, and, and be outside of that family bubble. Uh, was huge for me, uh, and, and I grew a lot in that. And, and still being able to come back home for the summers and play PDL with a a really high-caliber group of players, uh, not only from the Sounders Academy, but also UNC, Akron, uh, some really top players coming back and playing PDL with the the Sounders U23s, uh, again, uh, a, a great experience for me as a player uh, to be able to continue playing throughout the summer. And uh, from doing all of that, uh, at the end of the day, uh, following my, my four years at Denver, uh, I was able to go back to Seattle and and begin my career there. So uh, it's, I'll tell you what, looking at some of the journeys of these kids nowadays, I say kids, I don't feel that old, but when you've got, you know, 14, 15, 16, 18 year olds in locker rooms now, it's, you're definitely an older, older guy in the locker room. Uh, but it's, it's a, it's a journey that I think will start to shift a lot for guys, uh, you know, with even with the rising Academy going into a higher level and and having uh, the USL teams here, a lot of these guys, uh, the top players will opt out by going to college or they'll end up, uh, you know, going to college and coming right into the USL and uh, with how competitive the the MLS has gotten over the last 10 years and with how strong the USL has gotten over that same period of time. uh, It's interesting to see how my path and my journey uh, will become uh, probably a little bit more foreign to the league and how players come through it.
0: Just a to touch on the young kids and, and the past. I think <laughs> Alfonso Davies, I think is the number one kid to talk about right now in terms of USL and, and what the future holds. And then talking to you specifically, he's also Canadian. So, I mean, yeah. for you seeing someone who has played in a league that you played in and he is now at the pinnacle of football as a, you know, as a champions league champion, and yeah. a Canadian as well. I mean what is what is that like just seeing how someone has done it and it now means it's possible, you know? For for the kids who are fourteen, fifteen right now and saying, hey, like I could actually go and play for Bayern Munich maybe
1: one day. I think for those kids who are at that age like you speak of, I think it's huge because it's like a, it's like the first guy walking on the moon, right? Like all of a sudden you see that it's possible and dreams start to shift for for North American players. When we were 14, 15, 16, guys my age, uh, you dream of it, you hope of it, but it hadn't been done. You see Clint Dempsey, you see Brad Friedel, you you see Tim Howard, you see some names able to go and play in Europe and, and with Premier League teams. Uh, but it was rare, right? And for someone like Alfonso to, Davies uh, to make his way uh, over to Bayern and to become uh, a Champions League winner is incredible. And, I can remember playing against him when he was at the Whitecaps too, when I was still in Seattle. Um, and you just knew there was something special about him. I think anyone who watched him, you saw the way, from an athleticism standpoint, he was just a little bit ahead of guys. And, and at the age that he was at as well, you knew that he was in for something special. And and then to to be around him very briefly with the, the Canada team set up to to see the ability and to see the strides he had made in such a short period of time, uh, it was incredible to see. And I think it's, we were talking about the other day, a couple of guys on the bus and to see the development of the players nowadays is incredible. Like uh, being able to watch a U10 team try to build out the back, like that was never happening when I was growing up. It's watch it long and figure it out after that. So to, to see how far North American soccer's come, uh, it's really exciting to see and, and to have guys like Alphonse Davies making that that leap to the next level. It's it'll be exciting to see, uh, you know, with Weston McKinnon, um, obviously Reyna's kid as well, over at uh, Dortmund. I think we're going to start to see more North American players at uh, the top level, which is exciting for uh, for development of soccer within North America.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that 2026 World Cup is gonna have an extra emphasis on those kids you just mentioned being that they will be in their prime age when the cup comes here and i don't want to make fun of the team but hey we qualified already for that one so no worries Good. about that but uh i want to switch over to a little bit about a lot of the work you do off the pitch um one of the stories bobby told was before you even came to talk to any of them you went over to pch which is phoenix children's hospital and gave them a visit this was pre-covid by the way yeah. and when you were still allowed to do that so just when I say why PCH, I don't mean that in a bad term, but out of everything no. that exists in the world, why is Phoenix Children's Hospital so important to you specifically? No, that's a great
1: question. I, uh, I've i had a, uh, a special connection with uh, a young man who was who unfortunately passed. Um, and getting to know Ben Brewer from my time at the University of Denver and having that connection to him and getting to know him and his family uh, I knew that not only when I was in Denver, but everywhere that I go as a player. And and fortunate enough that as players, we're able to connect with the community uh, and have connections to the community uh, right away, as soon as we get into market. Uh, I I wanted to make sure that I I spent some time at the children's hospital. And uh, I was in town visiting family for the holidays and spoke with some front office staff about the possibility of going and saying hi and dropping by during that Christmas time. No kid wants to be at the hospital. And the fact that they have to be there obviously is, is sad enough. Um, though they are some of the bravest kids you'll ever meet. Uh, so just hopefully go and, and stop by and say hi. And whether it's for five seconds, 30 seconds or a minute, have them feel like they're not at a hospital during the holidays. Was, was and always is my goal just to to go say hi and, and see what they're up to, whether it's playing some video games or I got destroyed in some pool. Um, there are some very crafty players at air hockey as well out there. And so uh, just to be able to stop by and, and say hi, I know the Children's Hospitals and, and everywhere that I've been and especially um, the connection here uh, with the Children's Hospital uh, they always try to make sure that every kid that can go home gets home for the holidays. And so wanted to take a second to, to spend some time with those kids who unfortunately weren't able to make it home during that time.
0: So you mentioned your mom lives here and she's actually doing an, a, an event. She's um, you want to talk a little bit about that? She's trying to raise money to you know, try to end childhood cancer.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, again, it's a credit to the community here and how tied in everyone is with uh, with sport as well. Uh, she reached out to me the other day when I was prior to going over and spending some time for, for dinner and my stepdad's birthday, and I hadn't even known that it had picked up some traction. But he is, uh, she's biking right now and trying to raise funds to, as you said, uh, support the fight against uh, pediatric cancer. And uh, she's been uh, she's been biking quite a bit now. She's enjoying it and. I think the thing that's incredible and it's a credit to the Phoenix community and the Phoenix Rising fan base is uh, to see how quickly they got behind someone in their community uh, who is uh, trying to fundraise. And especially during this time where financially a lot of people have uh, been, been hard done by. And so very fortunate to have a fan base in the community that picked up on, on someone in the community um, who who was looking to to try and uh, raise some funds to to hopefully uh, make it a little bit easier for those families and those kids who are uh, going through a lot.
0: So is it she's following in your footsteps, or were you following the examples she set for
1: you as a mother? It's a fantastic question. I'm very fortunate to to have some incredible parents and role models uh, who have, while growing up, encouraged me to, to connect with the community and to recognize that we are very fortunate. Um, I, th- I think the best way to put it is uh, my, my siblings and I, we were giving every everything we ever needed, not everything we ever wanted. And I think that was a wonderful way to grow up and to, and to, to know that we had the time uh, or the funds or um, even if we we just, we took the effort to, to reach out and to, to make connections in our community and with people who, um, who maybe could, could use the support more than us or, or, or who could just use the support. Um, and whether that's just a, a friendly smile at the end of the day, that's, that's all it is. And so um, I've definitely carried in her footsteps and, and in my family's footsteps and, and wanting to just make it uh, a little bit easier for the people uh, who, who could use that, that smile on that day.
0: And if you would like to help out Jordan's mom in her quest to end childhood cancer, you can do so by donating at com slash writers slash Connie Schweitzer. That's C-O-N-N-I-E. If you don't know how to spell Schweitzer already, S-C-H-W-E-I-T-Z-E-R. And once again, that is com slash writers slash Connie Schweitzer. So Rick told us that he wanted the team to do something as a collective outside of the charities that the team already does. And he said that you guys as a team picked PCH, how much did you have an influence on that decision?
1: I'll be honest. It wasn't something that, uh, that I spearheaded. It was, again, it's a credit to this group and to this locker room. And, and again, to, to Rick and the coaching staff and, and everybody involved there. It's just a special group of people. And, and I think, from guys in the past having special connections with DCH with and myself as well, taking the time to to go and, and hang out with some kids. Uh, it was he, – he stopped a couple of us and just said, hey, this is something we want to continue to do, um, and uh, let's, uh, let's see how we can make it happen. So um, don't get me wrong, very, very excited and happy to to uh, include all the guys in the locker room uh, and being able to, to spend some time uh, with those incredible kids.
0: So I'll transition now to more on-the-pitch questions. So out of your guys' 11 games, you've actually played in 10 of them. You've started in two. What's been the biggest transition for you
1: coming from switchbacks to Phoenix Rising on the pitch? On the pitch, it's uh, – that's a great question. There's definitely been some differences, and I would say that the majority of them are positive. Um, And I would say that all of them are positive in the sense that um, come to a group with a ton of quality – obviously what this group and, and some of the players that were with this group last year did is incredible. And to follow that up um, is always a challenge, uh, especially on top of the, the shortened season. Um, and so for me to come into a group that had success uh, with the quality of player and recognizing that going from the switchbacks where I'd, I'd found a bit of a home, i very grateful for that, that, that team and that community for, for having me for those two years and, um, and, and having played a number of minutes for them over those two seasons, to go from having a, uh, a role of being a starter, being a leader in that locker room, uh, to coming to a new environment and, and finding a new role within this group, a very talented group, where I look across sometimes at the bench and, and just this, to think about the number of games that this group has played that are on the bench or uh, the guys that unfortunately are not able to be rostered there's a lot of experience in the USL and a lot of talent. And so to be a part of that group coming off the benches is, um, is something that for me, I- I've had to, to work on shifting my mindset of, okay, I'm not starting this game. So while on the bench, how can I make an impact? What are the things that I need to do to help this group win games or to make sure we get clean sheets to make sure that three, three tie at Vegas doesn't happen again. We're able to see games out. We're able to, to, to get another goal. Uh, that- that's been the the transition for me. That's been tougher at times to go from um, being someone who was a consistent starter to now being uh, someone coming off the bench and recognizing my role as someone who uh, is there to add value off the bench when that time or, uh, and if that time comes. So um, as far as playing here, that's been the the, the largest transition uh, is is finding ways to be an impact and. Uh, and coming off the bench.
0: So Rick has said that all of the midfielders that he has, he, he likes if you know if they were all number eights. I, I don't think all of you guys play the same way. I think some of you are more sixes than eights and more tens than eights. Where do you consider yourself in there?
1: Um, I would say that I am, uh, as you said, the, that 6-8 hybrid. Um, I, I'm someone who... Throughout my career, uh, especially when I started going to the University of Denver, um, found myself in a little bit more of a deeper lying role. Um, Though uh, uh, growing up with the Science Academy, had also played higher as an eight, more of a box to box. Um, And I would say going into this season, where I felt most comfortable and where I was able to have the most impact within a team was as a six, a little bit deeper, and uh, having to. Um, or I guess put it in a, in a more positive way, having the opportunity to come to this group and learn how to be an eight um, is something that uh, was uh, a fun challenge. Uh, I played a, as an eight often with uh, Orlando city B uh, and the USL. And uh, I had, that had been three years since I had done it last. So picking up that, uh, that position has been something that I've been working on, whether it's doing extra film with the staff, having conversations, obviously talking with the eights that have been here in previous years to really get down the nuances of, uh, of the role um, has been, uh, it's been great obviously for my game and, and as a player in my development. Uh, though I would oftentimes find myself sometimes dropping deeper into where I feel comfortable, so challenge myself to stay higher um, and to uh, to make sure that i 'm giving those top three guys the support that uh, that they need, uh, and obviously get them on the ball so they can go do all the damage because uh, that 's obviously uh, anywhere in this group there's quality, but uh, when we score goals that's uh that front three uh getting them on the ball is is uh, where we can really cause teams a lot of problems.
0: You mentioned the natural tendency to kind of want to drop back in your lines. Obviously, with your defensive system, the pressure is constant. You guys play high up the pitch um, in a yeah. defensive sense, not just in an offensive sense. What's the biggest challenge going from a team that you know, doesn't play that style to having to you know basically run your ass off whenever you're in the game?
1: That's been... And if you were to look at film, and, and when I study film myself, that's been the tendency that I've found hardest to break at times. Um, I know that having the shortened season um, and having the the time to work on that um, doesn't suit anybody coming into a new system. I'm not the only player throughout the league that has that um, going for them. But there are times where I catch my natural tendency to maybe drop in, to, to organize and, and try to – uh, solidify that midfield line uh, rather than stepping, going, putting pressure right away on the ball. And um, one of the things that I've focused on while coming off the bench is making sure, okay, when you get in for however much time you get in, if you get in, make sure that you are ready to go and that your first thought is to go in and put pressure and win that ball. And so it's been a mindset thing to truly answer your question is, is really trying to uh, focus on when I'm going out to training and, and going into games of making sure that my first thought is to be on the front foot and go put pressure on the ball. Um, and then obviously back that up by watching film and talking with the guys on the team and, and talking with the staff. So um, it's been a mentality switch and going from a team that's uh, a little bit deeper uh, to one that wants to play on the front foot and, and put teams under pressure for 90 minutes.
0: And if anyone listening wants to see a perfect example of the Rick shots, pressing offense, leading to a goal, you can see Jordan in the last match. He intercepts a ball in midfield, gets it right up to roof out immediately. And he ends up getting the game winning goal against Vegas. Now you guys are playing Vegas again. Um, it's second yeah. of a back to back on a home and home. It's the third time in three weeks. So, First, have you ever played a team that many times in quick succession at the professional level? I mean, maybe at like an academy tournament club level, but at the pro level, have you ever played a team that much in quick succession?
1: I can remember my rookie season being with S2. I think we played the Whitecaps two times in five days. So the the league has shifted a little bit since five years ago, uh, obviously, non-pandemic years. Uh there's been uh, longer time in between games and the ability to change the schedules. But I do remember playing back-to-back against Vancouver, one home, one away. Um, and uh, that was uh, a pretty unique experience from a scouting standpoint. Uh, the distance from Seattle to Vancouver, not too far. So from a travel standpoint, nothing to worry about, but this will probably be the second time in five years that we've had what feels like a baseball doubleheader or a college hockey doubleheader. So um, the, the thing that is um, great for us is being able to be back at home, be back around fans and to finally get this team um, at home where um, we feel comfortable playing anywhere. We're, we're ready to take our style of play anywhere uh, though there's no place like home. So to, to have them back here, will be, uh, will be uh, hopefully a joy.
0: Well, as you mentioned, less than 1,000 season ticket members will be in attendance on Friday. Um, you guys have not played a home match in your last four games, so you're coming back to Casino Arizona Field. I mean, what are you, what are you expecting to see on Friday with, with some fans in the stands? Jay, yeah, it's been March. I haven't seen fans since March. So yes, you haven't I'll seen a honest. fan in the stands since March. Well, a real
1: – I'll say you haven't seen a real we've fan some, in the stands. Since we've seen some seven. phenomenal cutouts. Uh, around the around the fans but um, I'll be honest I don't know I don't know what it's going to be like Uh, and that's what's going to be when you look back on a career when you talk with friends and family uh, it's moments like this that will stand out of what was it like the first game back uh, after not having fans for a number of months so to answer your question I have no clue Uh, I'm going to be excited to take in uh, the atmosphere that we're able to have for the first time in a long time. And, and, and being able to come to this group, one of the things I was looking forward to was this fan base was this atmosphere Uh, played against them a number of times and uh, was looking forward to being on the other side of it. And uh, so it will be great to have uh, though. It's, Somewhat limited. Obviously, the safety of everyone involved is, is really important to the club and, and especially us as players uh, to make sure that everyone feels comfortable from a fan standpoint, uh, those who are willing to come out and support us. So, I'm just excited to take in whatever we have on our hands here on Friday.
0: Yeah, I uh, made sure to ask Bobby yesterday when during his immediate availability if there was going to be the drums and everything that goes along with it. And he said drums and noisemakers were definitely allowed. That's great to know. So you'll have – I'm interested to see the coordination of the fans singing when they're not sitting right next to each other. And I'm sure they have that figured out already for whoever is delegating those responsibilities. But, I mean – but going into your final five games, four of them are at home, Mm. and you have OC and LA who are both tied right on your heels. So how important is it that, A, for your five – matches to end the season are at home, but two of those are against the two teams that are chasing you.
1: I don't know who planned the schedule. Uh, it's definitely something that we're, uh, we're happy about, being able to come home and have this stretch um, and uh, be able to get teams to this field and, and to this heat. Though today it's perfect. We'll talk about that later. This is wonderful. This is what I signed up for. Not 115 every single day. Um, Getting used to that as someone—that's probably one of the biggest challenges, honestly—is getting used to the heat out here in Arizona. And it's one of the things that we love being able to have teams uh, in this in in this heat um, and dealing with the climate here. Um, To be able to have four of our five games here at home is massive. Um, It gives us that extra edge uh, going into this final stretch of the regular season, Um, and and really uh, the rest is up to us. We we do exactly the plan we stick together as a group we have the quality uh, and uh, I think uh, we, we take ourselves uh, against these teams uh, in the last couple of games here at home and, and the last one on the road to San Diego as well so um, to be able to, to, to finish up uh, at home uh, is a dream.
0: Yeah I was looking at the weather and seeing that the the highs were going to be under 110 and I was like oh wow it's gonna be nice and when you when you look at the physical number and you're like, oh, it's 105, but it's nice. And I'm I'm from here, so I'm I'm getting used to that. Last night I was yeah. outside walking a dog, and I'm like, yeah, I might need to get a jacket. It's like 82 <laughs> out here, you know. But uh, what something I wanted to say was obviously in the media, we we love to look to look ahead at things and, and speculate. So last game of regular season is against Los Dos. Potentially yeah. could be a group deciding match you have started both matches against Los Dos. Putting you on the spot here, do you expect to start against Low Dos? And, <laughs> and, and I, I think I know the answer to this next part of this question is, how much of a challenge would you be looking forward to if you did get the start knowing that this match was to decide Group A, or excuse me, the Group B winner? That's
1: a great question. I take it one game at a time. I know our staff do. I know the players do. And I know that's the uh, cliche answer, but, it's truly the way that, that we go about it. If you were to take a whole season and, and look at it, it'd be uh, maybe somewhat overwhelming. Uh, but to chunk it off and to say, okay, we have one week to prepare for this team. We have one week to prepare for this team one, one game at a time uh, is, is a great way to, to really focus at the task at hand. And so for me, it's, it's taking it one week at a time uh, with, the, with the rest of the group. And uh, obviously all focuses on this, uh, this Friday's game against Vegas. Um, with it coming down potentially to the wire against most those who are all all credit to them uh, a talented young team um that is uh continuing to get results uh against whoever they play um you know being a part of that 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 game whether it be uh on the bench or whether it be starting um is uh is something that i know every player in this locker room is uh, up for myself included
0: so the last thing I'll ask you is, is coming over from switchbacks, I i don't know how, how you know, invested on social media you are, but if you've noticed in Phoenix Rising, when you guys don't win, it's a big uproar. And that also is, you know, a result of having so much success the last couple of seasons. So it comes with yeah. expectations of being a good club. What has that been like for you as a player, seeing kind of the reaction when you guys drop points and, you know, you guys had seven points in a week, which if you just said that is a pretty good accomplishment, but when you watch what happened, you go, yeah. it almost felt like that draw was a loss to, to the fans anyway.
1: And to the players, Oh, you, any, you know, any fly on the wall in that locker room would have had that feeling like it was a loss because for us to give up those goals that, that we did and for myself as a player coming on, uh, hoping to solidify that result, it's a huge disappointment. And uh, it's something that, the group doesn't take lightly and to be in this environment, to be around a group of players and and a culture that expects to win uh, as a player, that's the environment you want to be in where winning is the expectation. And for us to draw um, for us to to drop points uh, against any of the teams that we have uh, is something that's not taken lightly here. uh, Especially like I said, with the expectation to be that we win every week. So for me as a player, that's one of the reasons I was excited to come to this club to be in a culture where winning is a habit, that winning is the expectation. And so for us uh, – and the fans understand that too. So for us to be able to, to regroup the way that we did against Vegas, um, obviously uh, to to go on the road again um, and, and to, after those two games, uh, come together as a group and say, okay, these games are not – what's expected of Phoenix Rising um, and, and the way that we performed and so to bounce back again after those uh, I think was a huge statement um, not only to the lead obviously it's something that the fans are used to seeing but, but also within the locker room it was a huge uh, step forward to say okay obviously this can happen but that's not uh, the way that we do things around here let's get back to work and, and let's go get another few points in our next game so um, I think Again, we're back on track. The group is uh, prepared for, for Friday, and uh, the expectation is to win. So anything less than that is, is uh, not the Phoenix rising way. All
0: right, Jordan. Well, I very much appreciate you spending time with me. I'll let you get back to uh, the swinging. I'm out there, and uh, good luck on Friday. I will see you from a distance. I'll, uh, I'll have my mask on, but uh, good luck to you.
1: Sounds good. I look forward to saying hi in person. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Thanks, Jordan. Love to have you anytime. Hi. Thanks, man. Take care. You too. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Uprising podcast. Phoenix Rising's next match is Friday as the club returns to Casino Arizona Field to host Las Vegas for the first home match in nearly a month. And they will be doing so in front of less than 1,000 fans for the first time since opening night on March 7th. Kickoff is set for 7.30 p.m. And you can catch all the action on the exclusive audio stream on ArizonaSports.com and the new Arizona Sports app, which is now available for both iOS and Android. And following Wednesday night's results, Phoenix's 23 points keeps them a top Group B over Los Dos and Orange County, who are currently tied in second place with 18 points apiece, and are now both even on matches played with Phoenix Rising. San Diego comes in at fourth with 16 points, and Las Vegas rounds out the rest of the group with nine. For all things Phoenix Rising, be sure to head over to ArizonaSports.com Download the new Arizona Sports app, and you can also follow me on Twitter at JWA1994. Until next time, (laughs) ci vediamo, adopo, ciao.